A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 44, from the New International Version. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, That would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we going to spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Thank you for reading the scripture. Again, that was Mark 6, 30 through 44 from the NIV version. And my sermon is entitled today, You Feed Them. You Feed Them. And that's quoting Jesus. And we're in our mini-series, once again, Connecting Six Feet Apart. And at Renew 2021, our theme our, uh, for the year is Connecting the Disconnected in 2021. In a time when many of us have been separated um, because of the pandemic and our children are at home, doing school at home, uh, unable to connect physically face-to-face with their friends. Um, Many of us um, have lost jobs or many of us are isolated from family members, uh, separated from um, our parents, our sons, our daughters, our cousins, our uncles that we may feel a hunger for community, a hunger for connection. And as people, human beings, we long for connection. We long to be in community, whether we recognize it or not, or whether we do it or not, or whether we're afraid of that or not for various reasons, we want connection. And as the church, we're Jesus's emissaries. We're Jesus's uh, ambassadors. We're here to uh, foster community and connections uh, with people that are healthy, that point towards Jesus, uh, communities of faith, communities of healing, communities of encouragement and hope, not of death and despair, but communities of life that embody or Uh, that create a space for the gospel good news of Jesus Christ 
life in Jesus in the midst of that community. Wherever we go, in the ways that we speak, in the ways that we act as the church, we bring life, relationship, intimacy, connection uh, to the people around us. Amen, amen. So we are here, um, our passage today is uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And the feeding of the 5,000 is actually the only miracle besides the resurrection that is in all four Gospels. The only miracle besides the resurrection that's in all four Gospels. So apparently it's really important. And so we want to dig into um, this miracle of Jesus, this story, and glean from it what we can learn about what it means to be in the kingdom and what it means to be kingdom people. But the disciples gathered with Jesus to report all they had done on their ministry revivals. So if you remember, um, at the top of the chapter, uh, earlier in the chapter, Jesus sends out his disciples two by two um, because they're going to teach and preach and minister to people, uh, go from town to town. So he separates them into pairs. And the one thing that he says is that he gives them special instructions as they go on their evangelistic uh, ministry times. Um, And you can read this in chapter six, verse eight. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that um, town. I believe the strategy here is to travel light, from uh, gleaning from Jesus' instructions, to rely only on the hospitality of the towns that the disciples visit, to rely only on the accountability and support of your partner, and which ultimately means to trust only in the provision of God for food, for clothing, for shelter, for support, to make it day by day travel light and when we travel light when the disciples travel light they know that it's not what they can gather and store in in big backpacks but it's what god the daily bread that god provides for them each and every day on our own personal life journeys church sometimes we can't rely on our money or our plans or our contingency plans or our own abilities or our own competence Oftentimes, we come into the lean times where it's clear that God needs to provide or we can't go any further. Have you ever been in that place? Sometimes we intentionally fast. Fasting um, is a discipline, right? Where we choose into leanness intentionally as a discipline meant to remind us of our dependence on God. We strip away the things that we may lean into to give us comfort or security so that we can be leaner and more open and more vulnerable and more hungry in order that we, God uh, can speak to us, God can meet us, God can provide for us. Sometimes God brings us to the desert, right? Other times in our lives. We go to the desert where we're thirsty where we're hungry, where there's no one around. You may feel isolated or what's going on? 
I don't hear from you, God, the dark night of the soul. Many writers have talked about the desert period. Sometimes you're there. Have you ever been in the desert? You're thirsty, you're underfed, but nevertheless, God shows that he is with you and that he loves you and that he's showing you the way, walking with you, ministering to you. It is not always bad to lack. It's not always bad to be thirsty. It's not bad to be hungry. There is a heightened more, uh, there's a heightened more aware way of living that comes when we are lean and able to move swiftly with our unleavened bread through the desert with God. But we're obsessed with numbers, amen? We are obsessed with numbers. More specifically, we're obsessed with big numbers, right? We're obsessed with greatness. We're overly focused on heroes. We are fixated on competence. We are obsessed with our own sense of adequacy. Do I have enough? Am I enough? Do I measure up? Will I be discovered as lacking? Am I great enough? And perhaps our obsession with size and the fear of exposure makes us gravitate and cling to the bandwagon, to cling to the winning side, the winning team, to cling to the sizable voting base, lest we be the stray weakling away from the herd caught by the predator, the jaws of the predator. We like to align ourselves with greatness, to lie with power and strength, to get our memberships to be to the popular, uh, to get our memberships to the popular big thing. It's much harder to count ourselves among the miracle few, to be the counted out, to be the outsider, to be the outlier, the low probability, the less popular choice, the losers. And I think, I mean, based on our current events and you may be seeing things in the news, that a lot of the problem that's happening in our country is a result of people playing with numbers, playing with politics. People are afraid to lose significance. People are afraid to lose power. So they side with untruth in order to hold on to the thing. And what gets lost is the truth. And this is irresponsible leadership. It's, a, um, it's not an abundance mentality. It's a scarcity mentality, right? But the funny thing is, in the kingdom of God, in the economy of the kingdom, numbers are also really, really important. But numbers are not important to kingdom in the same way, in the intuitive, orthodox way as we are used to numbers playing a part in the world. It's as if God likes himself a comeback story, a Horatio Alger narrative. It's as if God likes to greet his people, his faithful ones with, may the odds never be in your favor. Because God wants to be glorified. Because God is the powerful one. Because God is the provider. Because God is the giver. Because God is the one, the hero that swoops in and saves us when we're like, 
God, I don't have any more. I don't have it. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm out of resources. I'm depleted. I'm in despair. I'm at the bottom of my barrel. I don't have enough to give anymore. I can't put a smile on my face anymore. I'm tired of being kind to my children. I'm tired of being kind to my coworkers. I'm tired of my job. I'm tired of looking at this computer screen. Please come and save me. I've got nothing left. And people, I'm exhausted in my life as a person. Aren't you exhausted? I think many of us are exhausted. We're tired. And I just want to sit in that truth right now, that we are tired. To just maybe put your palms up right now and just say, I am tired, God. I'm tired. I don't have enough. And church, that's the exact right place to be. That's the honest place. That's the real place. That's poverty in spirit. I don't have enough. I'm tired. Come, Lord Jesus. Come. In the kingdom of the heaven, in the economy of the kingdom, numbers matter. We see in this passage that numbers do matter to God. There are five loaves and two fish. Five loaves and two fish. Not enough to feed 5,000 people plus women and children. But after the disciples respond to Jesus and give away, break pieces of bread and fish and give it to all the people, afterwards in collecting the leftovers, there were another number, 12 baskets of leftovers, right? More than what they started with. And in the end, 5,000 Men were fed, but the number was probably at least doubled, maybe tripled, because they weren't counting the women and children at the time. And all of them, the scripture says, all of them, 100%, were filled, ate till they were full. But numbers in the kingdom don't matter in the orthodox and usual way of the world's economy. In the kingdom... Numbers don't matter as much as they are a measure of the person, a measure of the man, markers for determining the success of a business, organization, or church. But in the kingdom, numbers matter in so much as they give glory to the power and abundance of creator God. Glory to the power and abundance of our creator God. God is the one who has enough. Do you believe that? That's what it means to follow. Like I said, the feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle recorded in all four Gospels. The retelling of this miracle is a vital part of the Gospels and it conveys a central truth about the kingdom of God and about the heart of Christ. And that is justice and compassion are core values in the kingdom. Justice and compassion are what God is about. 
In our story, we're introduced to the unconditional compassion of Jesus Christ. Jesus and his disciples have just hit the road on a major ministry tour, just like you're on a concert tour, right? Concert after concert from city to city, they jump in the bus and they're going from town to, actually they're separated and going two by two, but they are no doubt tired and they've come back together uh, to debrief, to tell Jesus about the stories. Oh, Jesus did give them, right? Even though they were light, right? They weren't to pack food or extra money or extra clothes, and they were to depend on God and depend on the hospital to, hospitality of towns. They're coming back with testimonies, right? God is good stories of how Whoa, we had the power to heal people. We had the authority to cast out demons. It was amazing. And these people, they, they let us stay in their homes. These people, they let us, they let us hang out with them. Uh, they gave us food to eat right when we thought we, uh, we had no money. We had no money. We thought we were going to starve, right? Their food was provided for us. We were invited to this banquet. And then at the banquet... People were healed. They came and they wanted to hear about our message. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so they're telling these stories to Jesus. But they're also exhausted. Just as many of us have been when we've done hard work, good work. And we've come to the end of that and we're like, oh, now I get to rest. That retreat is over or that... Mission trip is over, that deadline has passed, I've done the work, and now I'm with Jesus and we can chillax. Um, but the scripture says that as they were debriefing, the crowds were so big that Jesus says, come away, let's go to a quiet place. Let's go to a quiet place and relax. And so they're like, yes! The disciples are, yes, we get to play Xbox and Destiny 2, and we get to watch playoff football. We get to go to the hot tub and get our massage and go work out and relax and get away from those people. But lo and behold, when they arrive to that quiet place, to the retreat center, to the resort in Hawaii, the sands of Hawaii, there's people! That crowd somehow... They're like, who leaked it? Who leaked Who leaked where we we're going? Because the crowd figured out where we we're going. And those same crowds come, Jesus, Jesus, heal us, help us, teach us, be with us. And the disciples are like, no, Jesus, send them away. It's getting late, Jesus. They must be hungry. There's no McDonald's. There's no Burger King. We're in the middle of nowhere, a quiet, a quiet place, right, Jesus? It was supposed to be a quiet place. Send them away. Weren't we here? This is our Sabbath time. This is our rest time. This is our time to, for self-care. And to take care of ourselves. But our scripture says in this moment that Jesus looked upon the crowds. And what does, he, what does the Bible say? The Bible says that he had compassion on the people. In that moment, it didn't matter how tired Jesus was. Jesus was human. Jesus was a man. He got tired too. 
he went off to secret places, secluded places to pray and restore himself. That's a good thing. But in that moment, what mattered the most was that there were people in need and that the scripture says they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus had compassion on them. They were people without leadership. They were people without vision. They were people without guidance. And physically, literally, they were people uh, without food. And can you see the parallel, right? The disciples were sent with, with not a lot, right? Stripped down, streamlined. These people, they weren't thinking about, oh, where are we going to eat? Do we have enough gas in our cars? Do we, like, is there a hotel? Is there a place to stay where we're going? They were just like, we want Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want to hear Jesus' teachings. And they go out to the wilderness, to the middle of nowhere, with no money, no credit cards, no nothing, no food, dragging their families just to see Jesus. They, too, took risks without resources, without uh, the numbers, to, figure, to, to hold them over in faith because they were hungry for something more uh, than what the world could give. Amen. Humans do not live on bread alone, but they live on the word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Amen. Jesus has compassion. He wasn't frustrated. He wasn't like, ah, oh, God. Get these sweaty people off me. Don't they have a life? Come on, crap. Like, get away from me. There's no, we just want me time. And that's what, imagine the disciples' perspective. The disciples' perspective are like, dang it, this is me time. Send them away, Jesus. But what does Jesus say? You feed them. You feed them. <laughs> the disciples are like, what? Don't! Ah, it's ruined. Ah, just the frustration. When I was an undergrad at Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington, I was part of a campus ministry called Inner Varsity. Many of you may know it. Uh, but then uh, one of, well, University's bread and butter was Bible studies, to do scripture studies. And not only to do scripture studies, but uh, many of the Bible study leaders who were student leaders uh, moved into dorms, moved into oftentimes freshman dorms on purpose um, in, as they were upperclassmen to live and to start a Bible study. So to have Bible study in the dorms, but also to build community, build connections with people in the dorm. And one of the things that we uh, did, I, I also lived in the freshman dorm as for a couple years as an upperclassman, and we would open our doors and leave our doors open. I heard stories of some Bible study leaders taking the doors off their hinges permanently. Uh, that's a little too radical for me. But the point was, for radical hospitality, to, to be a place to have a bowl of candy, to always have food or ramen, uh, a, 
We set up couches for people to sit and play video games and to talk and just hang out and have fun, to build community in the dorms. Uh, and oftentimes these places were like popular. Our, our room, uh, me and my roommate, our room was a popular place for people to stop by and just hang out. Except for me, when it came to finals week, right? Usually finals week was a very stressful time for me because I had procrastinated so much that I had to have time uh, to cram and I had to write. Let me tell you about the story some other time of when I wrote a 25 page paper overnight. And this 25 page paper was my senior seminar, <laughs> my senior seminar paper. So I should have been working on it all year. I did nothing until the night before it was due and I wrote it. Right? So I procrastinate, I put that on myself, but stressful, stressful, stressful. Ready to pull all nighters, kicking back the Mountain Dews and the coffee. But a challenge went out uh, from uh, the speaker that week, uh, the large group speaker, where he was like, I think he was speaking on this passage. Like, we don't feel we have enough, and so we guard ourselves, and so we protect ourselves. And so we create boundaries, uh, artificial boundaries, based on our own sense of control, wanting to control things. And we limit. We limit what God can do by hiding, by uh, restricting our relationships with other people. And so my challenge to you is to jump out, take a risk, keep yourself open to your neighbors. And so this is really convicting me during finals week. And I feel God is saying to me, keep my door open during finals week and let people interrupt me. Oh! Oh, it was so hard that night. I think one particular night I had a 10-page paper due and it was like 12 a.m. But God's like, keep your doors open in your dorm room, keep your doors open. And people kept coming in and chatting, asking for questions. The one guy that always talks but can't shut up, he came in, blah, 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 blah. Another person came in crying, wanting prayer because they're so stressed about finals. I was like, you're stressed, I'm stressed, get out of here. Right, inside I'm feeling that, but that conviction was like, don't. Love them, even the, set aside what you have, right? I'm tired. And Jesus is like, you feed them. You feed them. I'm like, no, no. But you know what? At the end of that week, I was able to give praise and glory to God for all the stories and the ways that I got to witness his spirit at work through me and through my roommate, um, just the opportunities to love people who really needed to be loved or to care for people or just to connect relationally. Um, uh, and, right, the powerful part of the story would be, and I got all A's on my papers. I can't say that that happened, <laughs> right? God didn't miraculously give me A's, but still, it was worth it. Still, I witnessed the abundance 
of Jesus Christ. There is always enough to feed everyone in this world. Did you know that? There is enough to feed everyone in this world. And it's only because of greed and injustice um, that people are hungry, that people are still in need. And Jesus has the power to reallocate resources, to exponentially multiply bread and fish on behalf of the hungry and thirsty. We have to believe this. We see this in this passage. It is a miracle. You know, you may be thinking, oh, David, so are you saying self-care, Sabbath, and rest aren't important? Don't, doesn't God talk about the importance of Sabbath and taking care of yourselves? And I'm not saying that they aren't important. I'm actually saying, yes, it's very important. It's very important because Sabbath is also a means of fasting. It's a discipline of not relying on our own work and our own control, but saying, I give up my time and my work in order to see God at work around me. So that the whole point is, how does, what is Jesus saying to you right now? How does he want you to experience God's provision and abundance in your life, right? We can't always control when our number is called, when Jesus puts the world's needs in the form of your neighbor on your plate. We don't control that. You feed them. What? Why? I'm burnt out. I have compassion fatigue. I'm exhausted. I don't want to talk about race or my experience or my testimony as a minority anymore. I'm tired of that. I don't want to be a friend to you just because you need a person of color to be a friend with. I wanna just eat my comfort food and watch Korean dramas. I don't have the bandwidth. These are all legitimate things and there's a time to rest. But what I'm saying is the poor we will always have with us, the needy will always be with us and we don't control when P Jesus brings people before us, when Jesus says, you feed them, right? And sometimes we will be pushed by the Spirit of God to our limits. And the point of being at your limit is so that you recognize that God is the one who empowers you when you don't have enough resources. It's God who does it, right? I can do so much with my power as pastor of this church. I can do a lot. Right? I can do 60-hour weeks and call everyone every day. At a certain point, I'm going to reach my limit, and still there will be more to do and more people to shepherd and more people to love. Right? But the point is, the point of being pushed and overfed by stuff to do is oftentimes God is saying, I have enough for you. You feed them. Trust me, you'll get through this. God can multiply what you have. God can multiply us. That's the point. Because God is interested in feeding his people. God wants mercy and justice in this world. Jesus wants to heal the sick around us. Just 
Jesus wants to feed us and feed our neighbors. Jesus wants to invite people over. Jesus desires to create a party, even in the solitary place. And when the odds are stacked against us, oh, that's when God shines. When the odds are stacked against his people, that's when the glory of God comes in magnificently. God loves it when the odds are not in your favor. God loves a short stack. God loves when the situation is dire, when our strength and resources are meager. God loves to use the least of the least of the least, like Gideon, because it is in these situations where kingdom opportunity is maximized, where God is glorified when he comes in power. There will be a day when we sing and praise and shout for thanks because God did it. We had a happy meal and God brought a feast. We are small. We don't have much to offer, but God will use us for his glory so we can look back and tell tales of his great and mighty deeds. We only have to be faithful to have a little courage, maybe just to fall into what he's inviting us to limp into it, right? God will do the rest. Just limp there. Just take one step, right? To have faith only as big as a mustard seed. And we can move mountains. Be strong and courageous. For tomorrow, God will do amazing things in us and through us to connect the disconnected in 2021, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the testimony of the disciples who experienced the miracle of your abundance and provision in the midst of being in the storm. And we know the passage right after this is um, Jesus and the disciples in a boat during the storm and Jesus is asleep. And they're like crying out to him and Jesus, Lord of the storm, you calm that storm. And so in the midst of the storms that are happening right now, in the storms of our life, in the midst of us feeling exhausted, not knowing what to do, not knowing if we have enough, God, be Lord of the storm, be the bread of life, provide for us, give us what we need, and even more, and even more. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.